Welcome, disciple makers, and thank you for joining us. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board Discipleship Team, led by Scott Sullivan, exists to help churches take the next step toward becoming a healthy, disciple-making church. We've developed tools to help you, like the Watershed Principle, which identifies six main ministries needed to be a healthy church. The Spark Conference, a total church strengthening event that allows you to access keynotes and breakouts all year long for ongoing training in your ministry area. Access it today at thesparkconference.com. We're also setting up learning communities across Georgia to sharpen, encourage, and resource leaders personally and professionally. Find a community near you at gabaptist.org discipleship. Don't forget, you can find our previous episodes on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and your favorite podcast platform. Now let's join today's broadcast. Thank you for engaging today and welcome. We have a legend in small group and Sunday school circles on our broadcast today, Dr. Alan Taylor. So uh, we're super excited to have you, Alan. Now, uh, folks, you're going to want to watch to the end because Alan's going to be dropping some different teaching, uh, thought-provoking nuggets all the way through the broadcast. And also, at the very end, I'm going to share with you what I believe are the two most effective, what I call slingshot months uh, for launching and relaunching initiatives and ministries. So you're going to want to wait and um, watch all the way through the end there. So Alan Taylor is the executive pastor of ministries at First Baptist Concord in Knoxville, previously director of Sunday School and Church Education Ministries at Lifeway Christian Resources. And he came to that position after three different ministry of ed opportunities at Knoxville, Tennessee, in Virginia Beach, and First Baptist Woodstock, which is where really I got to know Alan and all of his teaching and seminars and conferences, uh, because he is a fantastic keynote and breakout conference speaker. He is a husband and a father of three and the grandfather of three, which I know is super special to Alan. Now, Alan also has two books, and I want to make sure that you're aware of this because they are fantastic resources and they're called The Six Core Values of Sunday School, also Sunday School in HD. Both I've read, I've been through, fantastic resources. Now, some of you are interested in DVD and different uh, video training series, and he's got some, some exceptional opportunities there as well. And you can find those at Samson Resources. That is with a P, S-A-M-P-S-O-N, resources.com. And um, Alan, your newest video series is called The Inspired Teacher, right? Yes, sir, it is. Awesome. Thank you for having me on today, Scott. Yeah, man, we're, we're excited to have you, and welcome to our Georgia Baptist Discipleship family. There's a lot of folks in here, and we call it Georgia Baptist Discipleship, even though, and, and certainly the majority are, but we have folks all over the world that will actually be engaging today, and we're grateful for that. Now, just a reminder for you all, we want to thank you for being with us. Also, we want you to leave a comment, because if you're new to our broadcast, we give stuff away every time. we got a pile of resources that we want to give to you. So make sure that you drop a comment if you're on a Facebook group watching this. And also, if you share that, you will get double entry into that drawing. You'll get an extra helping of dessert. And Alan just may take you to a Tennessee Volunteers football game, right? <laughs> I'd love to. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe the last one's not in there. I don't know. But listen... Um, if you've missed this full discussion, uh, many of you know that you can catch this on YouTube, Instagram, all our podcast platforms, and certainly it lives 
uh, long-term in Georgia Baptist Discipleship Facebook group. Alan, let's jump in, buddy. So this resource, and we're not necessarily doing this interview with you just about the resource. You have been one of those momentous, um, incredible mentors in guys like myself who are coming along, Minister of Education, Second Chair, Associate Pastors, and in teaching in what we do in the local church is just, it's critical. Jesus modeled teaching. Uh, It was commanded in the Great Commission that we've got to be able to teach that that Greek word, dasko, to teach, to impart knowledge, to invest into another. So here's my first question for you. Can you articulate the importance of solid biblical teaching? Now, let's think in terms of just a newly enlisted teacher, because we know they've got to catch this. Can you articulate the importance of that? Well, one of the things that I like to share with our teachers, and especially the new ones, Scott, is that, you know, when you, when you boil it down, everything that we do in a New Testament church uh, comes through the teaching of God's Word. For instance, why do we worship? Well, we find that in the Bible. Why do we evangelize? Why do we disciple? Why do we do ministry? Why do we practice the one another's of the Scripture? All of it is based off what the Bible teaches, and of course, Therein is the importance of the teacher who is the medium between the Bible to so many people and to students, uh, members of their group, if you will. So when when you look at it is teaching literally affects everything that we do in the New Testament church. Yes. Uh, I mean, if we do away with teaching, we do away with the knowledge of of the the very practicing of Scripture and and what God wants us to do. So it, it has... The teaching has everything to do with everything. Yes. We do in a New Testament church. And so it, it is the, I, I like to say, the one irreplaceable, indispensable, unchanging function of the church. It's been going on ever since Jesus came. Uh, yes. Well, even before, from the standpoint of teaching uh, the, the Old Testament. You know, the, the, the church is at its core a teaching learning organization. I mean, we all at some point had to be taught. And then at that point, we ought to mature enough to where we're starting to teach others. And and that's been happening generation after generation ever since the day of Pentecost. And so, uh, you know, and and then probably the thing that many of the guys even on here has heard me say before, that I I often remind our teachers that every week they handle the two most precious things to God, and that is God's word and God's people. Mm, I just don't know that God loves anything more than his word and his people. And a teacher is going to handle those, both of those, uh, in the role that they have in leading their group in Bible teaching and Bible learning experience. And so, I mean, there's many more things we could we could say a, a, about it. But I think even those in itself sets up uh, the, the platform high for the teaching right. ministry of the church and therefore for those who are actually doing the teaching. I would agree with you. And that's one of the reasons that I'm excited about this new resource that you've come out with, the Inspired Teacher, um, because Alan, you know, in this resource and you, you came up with a title, but I am interested, how did you come up with the title of Inspired Teacher? And then I want you to just to walk, let's walk through the six sessions of this, um, because there are nuggets in here that I think that we can give to our tribe on this broadcast that will help them. So, so help us understand, why did you use the words, the Inspired Teacher? And then let's walk through those different elements of the resource. Well, first of all, you know, I say it's a shame when we take an inspired word and it's proclaimed by an uninspired person. 
Hmm. Uh, we, I mean, we're teaching the greatest thing that can be taught. Um, you know, you stop and think about it. Uh, we, we almost really represent and speak for God each week when we're opening up scripture and, and teaching. And so from that standpoint, you know, the, the worst thing you can do is, is, is have a, a, a book that's alive and have it taught by a dead teacher. I think it was <laughs> Howard Hendricks that used to say, you know, don't put live eggs under dead hens. Yes. It's a, it's a great statement. You know, the word of God is, is alive and powerful and sharper than two, any two-edged sword. And as we've all heard so many times, so often the, the proclaimer of that word uh, uses it uh, like it's a dull butter knife instead of being uh, alive and sharp. And, and so, uh, you know, like it or not, the, the communication and the communicator of the word has a, much to do with if it's received or not. And so uh, that's the reason we came up with the title, The Inspired Teacher. You know, you could come up with the informed teacher or the knowledgeable yep. teacher or all that. And, and not that those would be bad titles. But, you know, really, when we're teaching, stop and think about this a minute. The, the reason I, I'm on here today, the reason I was able to preach at a church in Virginia last week, the reason I study and teach a Sunday school lesson, whatever, is I'm really trying to influence people. I mean, when, yes. when you asked me about having the opportunity to do this, I said, yes, why? Because Scott, you handed me the opportunity to influence people. Well, that, that's exactly what we're telling a, a, a teacher. And again, some people may think that sounds egotistical, but no, I, that's whatever preacher's doing it with every sermon. No, that's a great point, Alan, because, and this is the reason I asked the question, because I was leading you there, is because I appreciate the question, because I have long felt like we have people sometimes who teach the Word of God, and we have this incredible resource, inspiring, powerful, Holy Spirit that God left us that can speak and teach and inspire and motivate through us. But sometimes we, we will just read a lesson and we're uninspired and we don't care. And we're not trying to connect them from the words on the page to the real person of who Jesus is. And I just when I saw the title, I thought, man, that's spot on. I mean, I love the idea. So let's branch in here. Let's turn the page and go to this first um, topic here, which is why we teach. Give us just a quick overview. Okay. Scott, can I bounce back real quick first, though, please, sir? Absolutely. Jump in. Of course, you know, when you're on church staff, all you deal with is, is with your church. But the four years I was with Lifeway, I was in a different church almost every Sunday. And, and I have heard some, some pretty boring teachers, honestly. I've heard, and, and, and I'll tell you what makes you boring is being unprepared more, more than anything. Right. I mean, nothing will kill a Sunday school class or a small group quicker than an unprepared teacher. Yes. And so that, that, that was another one of the, the catalysts, uh, you know, behind this was to say, uh, you know, it, it's easy to know the inspired teachers in your church and think that, well, the truth is you probably know some it's uninspired too, <laughs> but but we have a lot of that across the nation. And so I, I wanted to address that. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, good word. Um, so the, for, for why we teach, really there's, there's six things in that that, that we try to, try to cover. Uh, each one of the, these six sessions, by the way, in the video series are about 30 minutes apiece, uh, real, real, real close to 30 minutes apiece. But, you know, we start off by saying why we teach. Well, number one, we teach to make an eternal impact. Hmm. That's why we teach. 
Now, now here's the part that the, the guys that's on here now, every one of them know this. But guys, I'm telling you, sometimes your teachers need to be reminded of this because they get in the mundane. I mean, they got full-time jobs, they got families, you know, and now they got to prepare a lesson and it almost becomes a to-do list. Let me check it off for this week. But, but the real reason we teach is to make an eternal difference in, in people. And then, you know, we talk about that, that we want to teach because we need to feed people spiritually. I mean, we're, we're really a spiritual person that just so happens to right now have a body. We're not a physical person that just so happens to have a soul. And so we, we need to feed people spiritually. And then, as everybody knows, what we teach, why we teach is to really encourage a lot of people. I mean, the word of God is encouraging. It's, you, you read Psalm 119, and many times David refers to how the word gave him hope. Uh, well, I'm going to tell you, if there's ever a, a time in our lifetime that people needed hope, it's today with all that's going on in our world. And so, I mean, I just talked to a guy, had lunch with the day, who's one of my teachers that is going to lose his job because he's, they're requiring him to be vaccinated, and he won't. Now, we can argue whether you should or not, but nonetheless, in his conviction is, he shouldn't. And I mean, right now he's, he's without job and he's got three kids and he's fostered 26 kids over time. He needs some hope there. And then we talk about the fact that while we teach, we teach because we're gifted to, you know, God's gifting on your life is God's calling on your life. I mean, why would God gift you to do something that he's not calling you to do? I mean, so God, God's not that disorganized. Yeah. And then one other thing, let me say is, I also put in here that one of the reasons we teach is we teach because we need the teaching. Come on. I mean, we all know nobody learns more than the teacher. That's it. And so, uh, you know, we get it twice over while we're preparing it. And then once we deliver it. And so uh, we, we need the teaching uh, ourselves. And really, when you stop and think about what is a teacher, a teacher is nothing but a learner who gets to verbalize what they're learning. That's it. And, and Alan, that's one of the reasons that I'm uh, an advocate of when we are teaching to even when you have, especially if you have an apprentice to give some a part of that lesson to somebody to teach because they're learning to do it as well. And then we're modeling it. We've got the apprentice thing happening. And because I totally agree with you that we are learning perhaps more than anyone else because we've gone twice over. Now, I wrote a, a small book when I got here to Georgia, and it's called The Watershed Principle. And it basically outlines the six main ministries or streams of the church that need to be healthy for the church to be healthy. And one of those was teaching. And in that, I made the, the point that the goal of biblical teaching isn't just behavior modification. It's life transformation, you know, not just connection, it's Christ likeness. Mm -hmm. And for our tribe, that has been a huge deal because I can tell you, Alan, the first half of my life in ministry, I was teaching and I just wanted my teenagers to stop drinking, smoking and chewing and going out with girls who do. Yeah. That was what I told them. And I didn't catch this whole principle. So, man, I just love what you're talking about here. So anyway, interest of time, let's transition over to what we teach. So that's the why. So let's go to the what we teach here. Give us a quick overview. Well, to show you how deep I am, uh, the first thing I cover in what we teach is I just say, we teach the Bible. Come on. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's the Vince Lombardi, gentlemen, here's a football. Well, here, <laughs> teachers, here's a Bible. And so, uh, but but we talk about what we teach. We, we, we teach the basics of, of Christian faith and Christian living. Well, we teach doctrine and apologetics, and we, we actually teach and help our people know how to think biblically. Um, we, we, we actually teach curriculum. 
we, we talk about the importance of, of curriculum and, uh, and the use of it. We talk about the fact that we teach the plan of salvation. And then one of the things that, again, it, that we sort of ended that particular session with is, is that we teach people. Hmm. Uh, you know, in, in the, you mentioned the, the books I've written, the, the Sunday School and HD book that I wrote, I had one chapter in there that talked about having content with intent. And, and so what, what the reason I, I do this and this is I want our teachers to understand it's just not a biblical data dump every week. We're, we're actually teaching people. Um, you know, you, you could ask, my, I've got a daughter that's a, a math teacher. She, her, her and her husband still in Woodstock, and she teaches at a high school there. But really, at the end of the day, she doesn't teach math. She teaches people. Yeah. Now, certainly we know the content is math. But she's teaching people math. Well, it's the same with the Bible. We're, we're teaching people the Bible. And so we just want to make sure that we added that component into it so that it just didn't get all academic and not get so that it's practical and to speaking into the everyday lives of people. Yeah. Now, you mentioned the idea of practical. So let's get practical for a second. So we have um, there are a couple of different probably thoughts here. There are some that are going to look at this and and say, you know, all I need is the Bible. That's the only curriculum I need. That's what I'm going to go through. And listen, I'm not going to argue with that. I ain't going to argue that you got to have something in addition to the Bible. But there are some that are looking for curriculum. So let me just ask you a question. Why, for those who choose to go down the road of curriculum, why is curriculum important? Like, what's the benefit of having curriculum and not just studying word by word through the book of John or, or whatever? Good. Thank you for asking. So... I've got two daughters and a son. Both of my daughters are school teachers. I've mentioned my, my daughter is in Woodstock. It's a high school teacher. I've got a daughter here in Knoxville that's an elementary school teacher. Both of my, my daughters had to go to school for four years to be trained to teach. And then at the end of that four years, then I had to spend another year as a student teacher being mentored in a room by a seasoned teacher. So basically, they've got five years of preparation before they teach. Now, after those five years, you could think that they could go in and tell their principal, okay, I'll teach whatever grade or whatever uh, subject, uh, but, you know, I've, I've got my own set of lessons, and there's a certain way I like to do it, so I'm going to, I've got my own scope and sequence and all that, and so I'm going to teach it that way, and that principal is going to say, oh, no, you're not. We, we've already got this, the scope and sequence laid out for you. We, we, we've had thought through this, and we've We've got a step-by-step -step process to lead them through to, so that it, it gives them not only the knowledge they need for that, but what they need for the next course that's going to follow it. It's amazing to me, you can, you can prepare five years and you still can't teach what you want to in a public school, but you come to church and you can just teach whatever you want, whenever you want. That's right. My, my argument here is, and we get into this in the video, I asked the question, did God know what he was doing when he put 66 books in the Bible? Well, they have to say yes. Mm -hmm. And in fact, if God didn't know what he was doing, we got a huge theological problem on our hands. <laughs> so I, then my next question is, did God give us 66 books just so we could study the 40 or so we wanted and not worry about the other 26? Well, the answer they always give me back is no. We, God gave us the whole Bible for a purpose. He's, an, he's a very purposeful God. That's true. Well, if that's the case, then doesn't the church need to have some kind of curriculum, some kind of scope and sequence that's going to be able to cover? Because you see, here's the argument that, that we hear. Who should set the teaching agenda? 
Well, let's let's look at it in the adult division. Well, some would say those we're trying to reach should set the agenda. All right. Well, I, that, I, I could see some arguments there. Uh, others would say, no, the, the people we already have that's coming, they ought to set the agenda so that we can speak into where they're okay. I, I, there's great good arguments there. But my response is really the, the one that gets to set the teaching agenda is God. Hmm. For it's his book. He is the author. And if he's put 66 books in there, then we ought to have some kind of systematic way that we can go about doing that. And so uh, uh, much more to say about that. Yeah. Uh, but, but again, that's the reason. And, and, and here's what I do know when I made the video. I know that there's a lot of teachers out there that that's going to step on their toes. Yeah. And matter of fact, folks, those, those of you that are watching right now, I want to encourage you, if, if you are one of those advocates of scripture only and you don't need curriculum, listen, I would love to hear from you in the comments. Put why you teach only from the scripture and not use any curriculum that gives a direction or whatever. We'd love to hear from you on that. All right. So we've got the, the why you teach and the what you teach. So how about the how we prepare? And Alan, this is a big one. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So again, I'm going to go back one more time, Scott. Okay. If all you're going to use is the Bible, and again, that is the central thing that we do use, no question. But because some people say, well, we want to know what man has to say about it. We just want to know what God says. Well, if that's the case, the preacher ought not preach because you're hearing from a man. Just let him get up and read the Bible. Mm. The same principle. All right. How we prepare. So, I mean, we really just lay out some real simple steps on this. For instance, we say, read the text every day, whatever it is you're going to teach. It's your next, whether it's a Sunday or weekday group, read the text every day. We suggest you read it out of a different translation. And then we talk about how you need to meditate on that text because that text needs to speak to you. I mean, don't just read the text so you can see how you can say something to somebody else, but, uh, but, but how does it speak to you? And then we talk about the fact that we, uh, we ought to consider the people that we're going to teach when we read the text. Not only how, how does this need to speak to me, but, but how does it need to speak to them? And then we talk about there's, there's four attitudes needed in preparation. And, uh, you know, uh, one of them is to, to know that what you're teaching is the eternal truth of God's word and, and that forever, oh, Lord, your word is settled in heaven. And so there's four attitudes we talk about in that. And then we talk about that when you teach, always highlight key doctrinal truths that's in that passage. The Bible is a Bible of doctrine. And we need not shy away from that. Uh, we, we even talk about Scott. I, I brought a bunch of my own resources from my own personal library at home and put it on a table in the video series. And I said, here's the strongest concordance. Uh, here's a Warren Wearsby commentary. I mean, just some real practical things to say, yeah. especially for new teachers that have not built their library yet. Here's some things that you're going to need. And many, many, many years ago, I was an electrician. I even brought my old electrician tool belt in to say, for me to do electrical work, here's some tools I needed. And then I talked about this book of, of tables, uh, the table of books I had and said, these are the tools of a teacher. And these are some you need in your teacher toolbox, if you will. And, and then we just talked about, uh, you know, the, the keys for a good lesson is to study. Uh, I, I talked to them, make sure that you know the text. If you don't know anything else, make sure you know the text. Yes. And uh, and then we, we actually get into the next session, uh, which was session four on how we teach. Mm -hmm. And we actually get into to that, uh, uh, you know, wh what are we going to do to take what we prepared now and teach it? And in session five is how we connect 
so uh, while we are teaching, but uh, you know, we did some simple things on how, how we teach. Uh, and that is first and foremost, you teach with your life. Mm. I mean, don't sit there and talk about tithing. If you're not tithing, don't sit there and talk about soul winning. If you're not out witnessing, I mean, it, it, Matthew five nineteen, where it talks about that those who teach and do will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Not just those that just teach, but those that teach and, and do. Uh, we talked about how you teach even with your body language. You know, anytime you're leading a group, we, we, we all know this, it's in ministry, but you bring energy to that. And if you don't bring energy to it, then don't be surprised if the group you're teaching or speaking to is bored out of their minds. Right. Uh, that, that's one of the reasons that when you go home after you preach or teach, you're tired while you've exerted a lot of emotional energy in that. And so we, we, we talk about that uh, in it. We talk about making eye contact. We talk about even before it starts, go around and try to touch and speak uh, every person that's in your group. Uh, so that point. they know that that teacher has given them personal recognition and attention uh, because that communicates to them that they're valued and that they're significant. And of course, if you don't do that, it, it communicates you're, they're not valued. They're not yeah. significant. And so we, we just talk about even the pre-class or the pre-teaching time, I should say, that, that we do. We, we talk about those kind of things in session four, how we teach. Man, Al, I'm so glad that you hit that because I am an advocate that teaching does not just happen in a 45-minute uh, framework on Sunday morning. Like I believe that teaching can begin during the week. It's the life on life. It's the, I mean, me as a teacher, you know, if you're in the class, maybe I send you a note because I know you dealt with this issue that I'm going to be talking about 16 years ago with your wife. And I called and I said, Alan, hey, could you share a testimony based on this verse that we're going to be dealing with? Well, man, that teaching doesn't have to just be in that 45 minutes. Man, I'm so grateful that you addressed this in there. Okay, let's keep going with the next one here. All right. The fifth session is how we connect. And so uh, we, uh, I've got seven points in this. Each one of them start with the word understand, and I won't go all of them, but number, we, we talk about understand the makeup of a teacher. And we, we talk about, you know, the, the brain's got two sides. Uh, you know, one, one side is the analytical side. One side is the more, um, oh, energetic side, the, the more uh, uh, fun side, if you will. Uh -huh. We talk about that. We say that most teachers only teach from the side that's analytical. And, and, and we've got to start there because it don't matter what style you use if the content's not right. Yeah. So you have to start, uh, no question there, but, but then you need to, to move to, to the other side. And then we talk about the makeup of the learner. And so, and, and the two don't always coincide. Uh, for instance, the makeup of, of a learner is, I mean, how do we best learn? Well, we learn through object lessons. We learn through repetition. I mean, we, we talked about how many times, and even in the video, looked at several scriptures in the Gospel of John where G Jesus kept referring to the fact that he was sent. He was sent from heaven. He was sent from God. I mean, many, many, many times he said that. He was very repetitious. I mean, that's how we teach our children to have good manners. I mean, how many times you tell your kids to say please and thank you? You told them so many times you're sick and tired of saying it. That's it. And so, and, and then we talk about variety uh, is, is a good way to learn. And, and again, it spices up the, the, the room, the, the, the Bible study. We talk about that you need to understand the, the power of questions. Mm. Too often, and I mean, I'm guilty of this myself. Too often we want to give all of our class members 
we want to just spoon feed them every little bite. And in fact, we need to make them use their own brain to think, because at the end of the day, I'm supposed to produce a disciple, not someone who's just so codependent on me that they can't make it on their own two spiritual legs. Hmm. And then, then we talk about understand the, the power of experiences, stories, and illustrations. I mean, Jesus was the great storyteller. I mean, why do you use so many parables? That's right. And so um, uh, I think in that video, I, I quoted Abraham Lincoln, who said the shortest distance between two strangers is a good story. And uh, it, it really is true. Yes. And then we, we talk about the uh, understand the power of involvement. Don't just let them sit there. Get them involved. Let, let them look up the scripture. Put them in groups working on something, but, but get them involved because it will stick more with them if they learn it for themselves. And so all we need to do is to stimulate a discovery process in them and then let them discover it for themselves. Hmm. And, then, and then we talk about the three parts of a lesson. Understand that there's motivation, there's examination, and there's application. And we get into that some. So anyway. You know, and Alan, I learned that from you that motivation, examination, application. So when I teach at the seminary, I'm an adjunct for New Orleans Seminary. I actually added the, a T to that. And I call it teaching the meat of the lesson, motivation, examination, application. But I've added the T and that's also in the watershed principle. And it stands for takeaway. So here was the struggle that I was having. We'd go through and share scripture, you know, we'd motivate, we'd examinate, we do the application. I'd tell them a story about some and happened in playing college basketball, whatever, and they leave excited. But a lot of times they were leaving and nobody had a, an action plan of what they were going to do. So I started adding the T, the takeaway. So, okay, guys, now based on what you heard today, what's the one thing you're going to take away and apply and work on that this week? And I'm just telling you, that single piece revolutionized my small group teaching because it gave accountability for them next week, but it also gave me a glimpse into their life. So golly, I'm just, I'm eating up what you are throwing out there. So let's jump into this, uh, this last one, yeah. why you matter. Yeah. This one, we just talked about why that teacher matters. And really there's three things that we, we tried to say in this. We, we said, number one, you, you matter to God. Hmm. God made you special. God made you in his image. Uh, God made you with significance. Uh, God put uh, potential in you and God wants to get that potential out of you. Uh, you know, the parable of the talents, the, the one talent guy went and buried his, he, the two talent brought back two more talents. The five talent guy brought back five talent more, but the one talent guy, he didn't have as much potential, but he had potential, but he never used his potential. And so uh, we, we talk about that and how you need to therefore insist on yourself and stretch yourself. Then we talk mm -hmm. about the matter for God's glory. I mean, God has put potential in you. Why? so that you can be a fruit bearer. And hearing is my father glorified that you bear much fruit, John 15, eight says. And so we, we talk about the, that you, you matter for God's glory. And then we talk about that you matter to others because obviously as a teacher, you're put in a, everybody has some influence, but you're actually put in a position of influence. And therefore you have the opportunity to again, impact others. And it takes us back to the very start of why we teach is to make an eternal impact in others. And so, so we, we talked about, I, I think the whole purpose was this, is to help them uh, understand uh, how important and significant they are to God and the position that they're in and how they need to maximize that uh, and utilize that for that very purpose.
Fantastic. Let me let me go off script just a second because we got to we got to close this up, uh, finish up our time. But I've got a thought when you think about teaching, if you boil it down, what's the most important thing a teacher needs to do in order to be a good teacher? Okay, great question. And and my response is simply this. Be a great learner. Mm. All great teachers are great learners. That's the reason that you have to pour over the text, uh, keep your nose in the book have good resources, all those kind of things, because at the end of the day, uh, we've all heard the, the, the old uh, story about the, the preacher who was new and young, and when he started preaching, he said that he was gonna be unique or nothing, and it turned out he was both. Um, so, <laughs> you know, there's too much to glean, there's too much to learn from, from others, and so, I would say, because again, back to the statement I made earlier, all a teacher is, is a learner who gets to verbalize what they've learned. And so therefore, uh, I would say that's the most important thing I can tell any teacher. You're gonna be a great teacher, be a great learner. I love it. Alan Taylor, this is why I love you, your resources, your teaching. I love to sit under that and I have learned from you for a while. Now, listen, friends, we've been talking about teaching in our groups. And our team has gotten a number of questions uh, about when and how to restart groups, you know, because if you're gonna teach, you gotta have a group that you're gonna teach in. And there's a number of those of you that are asking, like, when do we restart groups? How do we restart initiatives? We're in this whole, you know, hopefully post COVID, uh, but at least a different world. You know, how do we do that? And I found two months that I call um, slingshot months, the two most effective slingshot months that can help propel you into 22. Uh, 2022. Now, what I mean by that is that times in culture uh, that are already pulling back the bands and they're creating momentum and they're doing that. And what we can do as local church leaders is we can play off the momentum that's in your culture, in your church, in uh, society and play off that energy. Those two months are August, back to school, football starts up, spirit groups, other groups and people are being active. And it's a great time to launch and relaunch ministries and initiatives. The second one is January. New Year's resolutions, back to school again. There's momentum already building that you can plug into. So listen, if you are looking at your next 12 months, how you're gonna plan, how you're gonna start, how you're gonna restart ministry groups, initiatives, I hope you'll keep those two things in mind. And maybe that will help you for your planning in 2022. Alan Taylor, thank you, buddy, for your thank decades you. of faithfulness, for sharing with our tribe today. We're going to put links to the resource that you've uh, developed into the chats where folks can get that. And uh, tell us how, because there'll be some that want to get in contact with you, maybe to have you come speak at their conference or at their church, do a training. How can folks get in contact with you? Probably the easiest way, Scott, is to just email me. Uh, my email address is a taylor, a taylor at FB for First Baptist, and then the word Concord. Don't put FBC Concord. If you get two C's in there, I won't get it. Uh, one C, so A Taylor at FBConcord.org. There we I'd go. Love to, I'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. And Ray Sullivan, uh, thank you for being awesome in too many ways to count and for producing for us. And Ray, we'll make sure we get Alan's email into the chat bar. And let me just remind you folks, the reason we're able to do this broadcast is because you give generously to CP. So thank you for giving. And I pray today's discussion will, with Alan Taylor will inspire you to think beyond borders and will help you make world impacting disciple makers. 
Thanks for listening. We want to continue the conversation from today's broadcast in a learning community near you. These learning communities are designed to celebrate your biggest wins, resource your greatest need, and help you finish well. We also want to give you a free gift. The five discipleship shifts most churches need to make to produce world-impacting disciple makers. You can download this resource by going to ministryboom.com. This five-page PDF is a discipleship alignment checklist. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board is able to provide resources like this because of gifts from Georgia Baptists to the cooperative program. For more information on this broadcast and a customized discipleship plan for your church, visit gabaptist.org discipleship. Engage with us on your time through Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and all podcast platforms. Lastly, if you've benefited from this conversation today, please share this with a friend as we seek to help churches make world-impacting disciple-making.